All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What's What VR. We have first-time guests. We have Dr. Q, who is the Chief of Staff for Louisiana Department of Education. Dr. Q, how are you? I am well. Excited to be here. Thank you for making some time. You got a lot of important things to be doing, so I'm glad we were able to set this up. So so tell me, for anybody who doesn't know who you are or what you do, like what's a regular day or what's the, you know, where are you aiming down the road at? What are you working on? I am consistently working on um, making sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing across the agency, which is our, our students. And in order for us to meet the needs of our students, we have to meet the needs of the adults. And so what are the things that we have to put in front of adults, meaning our system leaders, our principals, our teachers, that will help them do their job better and making sure that they meet the needs of every child that they serve. So um, a typical day for me means sitting in, uh, sitting with other educators at the state or at the system level and saying, what do you need and how do we help you? We're the government and we're here to help. <laughs> that reminds me of a show, um, old show, uh, not an old show, but it's uh, New Amsterdam. They brought in a new guy, uh, head of the hospital, medical director. And I ended up catching it and it got kind of stuck into my vocabulary. But just basically he would walk around just all like, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? Tell me, you know, tell me the roadblocks you're facing. You know, how can I help? And I think that sounds kind of like where you're at. Yeah, that's a question that we not only ask of system leaders or even school leaders, but sometimes even at the state level, it's we know that, I mean, we're in a bureaucratic system, like so bureaucracy exists, even when we have to engage from one state agency to the next. So many times my role is how do I clear this barrier? How do I help you get past this so that you can accomplish X or why in order to get the work to the grounds level. And that's a lot of levels. Like I said, it's, you know, you're at the state level. So you've got multiple school, school districts, school boards, principals, and then all of this stuff is you've got all of your elected school boards, I guess. And then you've got the superintendents that get brought in or hired. And then you've got the local cities to deal with. It sounds like a lot of moving parts and a lot of people to try to keep happy and balanced and moving in the right direction. Absolutely. A lot of stakeholders, um, whether internal, external, um, to just be accountable to, you know, when we are initiating new new projects or even trying to get clarity or trying to um, see exactly what do we do to help. And so, yes, you're constantly navigating stakeholders, both internally and external stakeholders. So, we ran into some of that and to kind of segue us across, you know, one of our, you know, passions here, obviously, when we do publications and things of that nature is, you know, literacy is a very big thing. And it was amazing to me to find out, you know, years ago, I guess it was probably two and a half years ago when we, we started about a year and a half ago, Kids Scoop News, but it came from an initiative on, I heard the statistic, you know, that, you know, the original starting number, you know, the calculation where it runs through the algorithm is, you know, the literacy rates, you know, of third graders extrapolated across. And now we're trying to decide how many prison beds we need, you know, in states. And that hit me with a ton of bricks. And then as if I didn't get enough of a wow, it was in the same meeting was told 
kids up until third grade are learning to read. And then from third grade on, they're reading to learn. And ultimately, we've got a literacy problem on our hands, not just here locally, but across the board, you know, mm-hmm. and you guys are taking a big role and there's a lot going on there, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know, you label it as a literacy problem. We label it as a literacy crisis that was exacerbated, of course, by the pandemic, being that you had students who were first, kindergarten first, second graders, where they were getting those foundational reading uh, supports, that they had to get that either uh, via online or in a very untraditional way. And so not only do you see that that, you know, created even more of a gap in some of the literacy um, issues that we're facing, but it gives us just another opportunity or even just new challenges. How do we, for lack of a better word, catch those students up? Like they miss some of the foundational things. How do we go back and not only prepare them with the foundational things, but continue to accelerate and build upon some of the foundations that they didn't get? And so we are seeing, as you think about the gap widen, whereas, of course, in education, you always want that gap to shrink. We have some catching up to do that has further contributed to the literacy crisis that we were already in. And I think that's got to have something to do with, you know, learning how to read is something even I couldn't go teach someone how to do. You know, it's now I can read a book you know, with a child, you know, and I think, you know, we've heard that that can help, you know, and kind of they follow along and get there, but it's not something to where it's not a skill that I have the ability to go teach. I can teach you how to put sheetrock on a wall. You know, I can teach you how to ride a bike. I can teach you how to do these things, but if you sat down or set me down with a child that didn't know how to read, I wouldn't even know where to start because it's just something that we've you know, we've grown naturally to learn, not to mention, we've also got a lot of parents that are in the same predicament that they're having trouble reading. So it's this cycle that we've somehow got to break, but it's not just the state's role to come in and solve the problem. It's not just the school board or the superintendent or just that teacher that the kid, this critiques everybody, you know, to get involved and say, hey, we've got a problem. We've got a crisis. We have to solve this. We have to start putting energy into it. Absolutely. So even when you think about, you know, whose role is it, whose responsibility is it to assist in what we have coined as the reading revival? It's everyone's role. And yes, there are some very technical aspects when you talk about the foundational needs for students. And so you've seen um, with a lot of the work that we've done in the last two years around uh, the science of reading training. And it's called the science of reading because there are very specific things that's a part of teaching a student to read. But in the midst of teaching a student to read just with those very technical things, there are also things that you just want to generate in a student, a love for reading, a desire, a want to have a book in their hands, not only just for the sake of 
uh, learning to read, but because I enjoy it. It gives me exposure and an opportunity to learn. And so there was this article that came out not too long ago about the opportunity myth, you know, and so it's like, what opportunities do we create for all students to have access to resources? And I believe that's a part of the solve. What mm -hmm. access do we give to students to have resources to just enjoy reading? It's not always about the technical pieces of it, but I just want a book in my hand because I know mm -hmm. I will enjoy that resource. And so you want kids to love the experience as well. And I think that has, you know, I am known for not being one, I'm not a screen time, you know, person. Like, I believe that, you know, there's the screens are here to stay, you know, just like the internet sticking around, it's a thing, right? But it's also, I've watched my own kids, you know, I can remember as a kid sitting at the kitchen table with like five encyclopedias all around me writing a report and having to read and having to look things up. Now it's all in their hand, you know, and it's not even that they're reading it sometimes. It's just grabbing the information from YouTube. And I think, you know, I've said this before, I think that sometimes can mask or hide the problem that you don't realize that, you know, you might have a child in school or even, you know, I've got nine-year-old twin boys they get information. And I know the information that I hear them talk about is not anything that they read. You know, they got that out of a video or, you know, something of that nature. But if you were kind of turning a blind eye or not looking at, you know, are you really reading? Are you spending time? It could be easy to think, oh, well, they're fine. They're well advanced. They've got, you know, ideas. They know what they're doing. They're doing their homework. Everything's fine. And it could almost be hidden that, no, they're not really reading very well. They're getting it. They didn't sit at the kitchen table with five encyclopedias writing a paper. <laughs> so absolutely, it's definitely the nature of the world that we live in. Um, I was uh, sitting with a an almost twelve month baby, so almost a year, and the baby got a hold of my phone and knew how to scroll already, like already. But equally, it was just important for me to say, okay, we're putting the phone, like I'm taking the phone from you. I'm going to give you a, a child size book for you to be able to even look at the pages and turn the pages. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the onus and the responsibility for um, getting, creating that opportunity is for reading is on, I'm not just going to say the parent, because many times we engage the parents and we want parents to be engaged. But as you mentioned earlier, many of their, their association with it is based on their experience, right? And so if they're not readers, then more than likely, you know, they're not going to encourage that in, in their home. And so you do have to lean on education, lean on other organizations to again, create that opportunity and access. So what do I mean by that? School, yes, we can make it very technical when learning to read. But if we don't also do that other part, that engagement, reading for interests, reading based on their interests, giving them the opportunity to select the book and not just read this because it's gonna give you social studies information, but it's something I enjoy. So exposing them to also the other side of reading, I think coupled 
um, couples with that technical piece and you develop readers, you develop Mm -hmm. kids that can enjoy it more so than, than where we are right now. Most kids don't do it because they're not successful with trying it, you know? And I think you've hit something that's, you know, really important. And I don't mean to beat up on some of the schools that maybe do this, so we won't say anything, but it's like, I know when I was in school, it was, here's the book, like the box opened up and everybody got the same book. You got 30 kids in a class, 30 different personalities, 30 different interests, but it's like, you're going to read this and you're going to have it done by this day. And you're going to have me a report on it by here. I just don't like, I was horrible. You know, I'm, I'm extremely dyslexic so it's hard enough for me to read I see it backwards so I got to like almost like double read it and then try to comprehend it so it makes it even harder and if it's not something I'm interested in I'm not gonna you're never gonna catch me and I would have to bet you know when we just at mass say here just go read this how many are really interested in that story and when we want the kids I think maybe you had mentioned it or we had talked about it before it's like you want the kid to be carried the kid's not, my 14 year old is not walking out of a room without an iPhone in her hand. But if she had a really good book that she was really into, that's going to be in the other hand, you know, moving through. And so I think that's, that's part of it. You know, it's how do we get them engaged in something that they like? How do we get, you know, the parents to remember to say, you know, Hey, have you read some of your book today? How do we get the teachers the help that they need? Because like I said, just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you're, you know, perfect at teaching the skill of reading, you know, to somebody, you know, that's one facet of what you're doing as a teacher. So even in our own, in my professional life, there's some things that I'm really good at and other things I'm really not good at, but I still got to do it anyway. You know, so we've got some teachers there. And I think that was some of the stuff that you guys were talking about is getting some of these literacy coaches out across the state to help. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when I think of that, um, when it was time for me to decide what grade level I would teach, I remember going through high school and getting to um, a football player who came out of my high school and him getting to a place to where he had gotten through college. And it, there was a huge article played for the Washington Redskins. And he was like, I can't read. And so I remembered that when it was time for me to decide what grade level I would teach. And I was like, I'm teaching third grade and above because I can never have <laughs> someone late in their life get to a place and say, that was my teacher. And she did not teach me how to read because it is technical. But mm-hmm. although that's propelled me to think about what grade level. It also made me think about why do I read? What are the reasons that I pick up a book and read? And so as a teacher of third grade students and beyond, I wanted to create that sense of why do you read? Yes, there are times you read for information. There are times you read for enjoyment. There are reasons you do this. There are reasons you read for this. And so we needed to create those opportunities, all of those opportunities in front of students. And that's what I even compel and challenge educators to do. Don't get so stuck in the, we're reading for the science of reading or for the technical aspects. Help students explore the other reasons why we read and give them those opportunities. So if I'm reading for information, that's all. That's what I'm doing right now. I am reading to extract information. 
and I know what type of reading I'm doing that. Give me that drop everything and read moment so that I can read what I enjoy. Or if Mm -hmm. I'm reading because I am taking this assessment and I know that there's something at the end, give me the lens by which I am approaching this reading. And that helps me invest myself, not only as a student, but also as an educator, because I am teaching the way that in which you are approaching the way in which you are engaging with subjects, with, with subject matter, you know? And so I think it's important for us as educators to even help students understand that, to help children. I tell my, my daughters that, like, we read for various reasons, and they know during the holidays, I read for enjoyment. You're not going to see a literature uh, a literature magazine on something with reading, but for during the holidays, you're going to see me with my novels and I'm probably going to stay up all night to finish mm-hmm. a book, something that's not, you know, a uh, research based or what have you. And so again, I'm trying to model that, but I also tell, teach my girls that, um, and, you know, just in the sense of transparency, neither one of my daughters picked up the love that I have for reading. However, they do understand that I need to read for certain reasons and purposes. And that's how I usually can invest them in reading. So if there's this good movie, I would honestly say, and there's a book, a companion book to it, I would say one thing, we're going to watch the movie, but then we're going to read the book and see what's the differences. And so throughout their lives, I've tried to um, put in front of them, you know, the purpose for reading so that they can understand that there's multiple ways and multiple approaches to get information and the reasons why we read. You know, and as you were talking, you gave me an idea. You know, I've got, like I've mentioned, I've got a 14-year-old daughter and you can't tell her what to do because she thinks she's, you know, 30 and knows everything. And then I've got, you know, the nine-year-old twins, boys. And if anybody's got those younger kids, you know, what I don't know, it's making a space for them to read and setting aside that time and kind of something that made me think, you know, that I thought of while you were talking was, you know, we all have this, or we've all been through it with kids where it's like, okay, bedtime, shutting it down, you know, put the, you know, the switch up, put the PlayStation, you know, put it down. The TV goes off, you know, we're going to bed. It's that whole, it's everybody down gearing, you know, for the night and they never want to. Like they never, you know, it's always like, they're always awake. You know, it's like, well, no, we're trying to, you know, get, it's almost like, what if we took some of that time and said, you know, well, if you don't want to go to bed right now, you can stay up another 30 minutes and read, Mm -hmm. go pick anything you want, go get anything you want from wherever you want to read. I don't care if you're reading the instructions on how to put together a model airplane, or if you're learning, you know, how rockets are built, or if you're reading about a fairy tale land, but I'll give you that time. You know, if you want to go sit in bed, you know, and read, or if you want to sit here on the couch and read, almost like I'm going to give you the ability not to go to sleep, but I'm going to give you the space. And then I'm also going to say, I'll be here to help, you know, if you get stuck. And I think, Brandon, even with the I'll be here to help, you know, one thing that I do with my girls all the time is I'll say, tell me the three big takeaways, what you get from that. You know, like, so not only am I giving you the time, but as a parent, I don't have to be the expert in whatever you just read, but at least tell me, what did you, what, what'd you take away from that? You know, 
explain to me what you got out of what you just experienced. I do that a lot of times with when my girls go to Sunday school and I know they've read a certain Bible passage or they've read something. What was your biggest takeaway? What lesson do you carry with you? And so that's a way of me asking them to synthesize what you've learned. You know, what did you hear? Synthesize what you've read without me, you know, being an expert to come up with the questions. I'm just really invested in whatever you're learning, whatever's occupied your mental space. I want to know. I want to know how you are processing that. So to your example, if it was, you know, an instruction guide on how to build or do something or read the directions, what's the first thing we need to do? You know, like just making sure not only are they reading a bunch of words, but that there's understanding that they are gaining by the experience of uh, reading. And I think that, you know, goes to where we talked about all the different ideas. Nowadays, I don't think people probably don't go to the bookstore as much or they're not at the library as much. You know, one of the big problems that we've also got to solve is getting access to this material at home. You know, that is a major, you know, in all of the work that we've done, and I'm sure you guys have seen as well. It's one thing to say, go read, but when you don't have anything age appropriate or interesting, you know, it's, you're not going to do it. That's just the bottom line. So it's how do we get this material in the home? And so that's what got us on a kickstart, you know, with the Kids Scoop News to get that out to where it was something the kids could use, they would like, they would have fun with it. But it was just another cost effective way of getting, you know, that into the home for the kids and for the parents, you know, to see what they're doing. So that's kind of the direction we went with it. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's the right thing. You know, I talked about opportunity and access and that's mm-hmm. what, um, that's what we have to promote as just, a um, adults, mm-hmm. adults, just when you say everybody, every hand on deck, like, you know, participating in this reading revival, it's opportunity and access. Like, how do I be a part of that? And knowing you know, my role as an adult in this picture, it's, hey, if I'm walking around and I see somebody, uh, you know, a child, you know, just the educator in me, hey, what is that? What are you reading about? What is that? Tell me a little bit about it. So again, investing as just an adult, you know, in, in, in the life of a child around things that interest them, creating opportunity and access, not only to read, but to talk about what they're reading, I think is also, um, just an additional thing that we can add as we have this reading revival. Talk about what you're reading. And I think it comes down, you know, I think there was, I think I've got the quote over here, you know, from Cade Bromlett, where it was, you know, the, the, the phonics based techniques, you know, or effect, you know, were flatlined. So we need to get back, you know, to the basics, you know, letters make sounds, sounds make words, words make sentences, sentences make paragraphs, you know, and so forth. Like we're saying, I guess we're talking kind of two sides out of our mouth. It's easy, it's complicated, it's easy, but it is a very simple, like at the end of the day, this is, this is a crisis, but it's something that we can solve if we just admit that we've got a problem and then go after it. You know, I think that's, it's, we're not reinventing. It's not like we're coming up with some new form of math, you know, that we're doing. It's not that we're doing anything different. We took regular math and we put common core. That's a whole nother discussion for another day. I won't touch it, but I could debate it. 
But at the end of the day, you know, reading is still reading as it was for you in school, as it was for me in school. It hasn't changed. So it's like, how do we solve this problem? You know, and I guess that'd be, you know, for the kind of a takeaway, what would you think, you know, what if we, if nobody heard us at all until now, what would you say we need to do? You know, what would we tell, you know, parents or educators, you know, at the end of the day? At the end of the day, um, for me, it's opportunity and access and Mm -hmm. make opportunity and access to reading, but then also to express what you've read. And um, I would say another solve is that it is a, all hands on deck approach, meaning we've talked about the role of the parents. We've talked about the role of the educator, but where does the church fall in? Where does other organizations fall in to support the opportunity and access issue or gap sometimes that we have with students not enjoying reading? And it is back to the basics. It is back to the basics. It is going back to those basic sounds that become words. It like it's it is that, but it's also understanding that I have a role to play. I, I have a role to play and I need to identify that role and then raise my hand up and volunteer to be a part, to be a part of the reading revival across the state within my community, at my local church, at a library, like how can I help? And I think what's important I'd add to that and tell me if I'm wrong, but even the raising of the hand and doing your part, even if you're one of the few that struggles with reading, you probably can spot someone else who's struggling too, because you know how you're compensating and you might see that they're doing some of the same thing. And so we want those people to also do their part. You know, if you're fine and you don't want to go back, that's okay. But help us point out who those are and maybe have a conversation and say, look, I had some of the same problems. I still have some, but this is not where you want to be. Let me get you to somebody that can help. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do the work, you know, just get them in the right direction or have a conversation of, no, this reading is important. It's caused these problems for me in life. And this is why it's important that you really do this. Because I think one of the problems we run into is we think of this reading I think sometimes in two spec two groups, it's you know adults that can't read and third graders who can't read. But to me, the real big problem is it's that fifth, sixth, and seventh grader that's old enough to comprehend you're going to need to get a job soon. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to read street signs and this when you drive. All of that kind of stuff, but they never want to say anything because they're too embarrassed that they're already so far behind and so if, if it's a nephew or a niece or somebody that you know or just somebody that you've seen or you work in the school or, you know, some, those are the ones that are most vulnerable because it's going to be they're going to get to a point where it's not making sense. Test grades aren't there. They're embarrassed when they, you know, get a bad grade. They don't want to ask for help. And that's where we end up with somebody dropping out. That's where the cycle, it just stops and we never get anything further. Like that's where we've got to catch it, you know, obviously beforehand, but that's a critical point to me. Absolutely. And so when we think about all of the legislation that we've had going on about the science of reading for those K2, K3 teachers, 
as you mentioned, we do have a, a, a great span of kids that are already in that cycle of, I need more than what I'm getting. So what are those opportunities that we are providing? Again, all hands on deck, like from other agencies, organization, organizations that can come. We identified the problem, but then how do we bring those solutions to, uh, to the forefront? And, and one thing that I would add there is many times if you can get a child, a student invested in their own development, they will go to the adults that they mm-hmm. need to leverage to support them to get whatever it is that you're saying is on the other side of you accomplishing this. So if you finish this book, you get um, a free dress day. If you mm-hmm. put that carrot in front of a child and you demonstrate what it means to finish this book and what does it mean? What do you bring back to me? They will invest the supports that they need in order to get to the reward that's on the other side. And for some of our older students, we have to find those innovative ways to grasp their attention, to make sure that they understand that this is important. And there is something on the other side of you obtaining this goal. It's something for you personally. But then there's also something that you can get out of it. And so many times, if you get a child excited about it, about this thing, about this process that's in their life, they will find the people and the resources to, uh, to, help, to help them achieve um, whatever the task is that we're putting in front of them. And the last thing, I guess, that popped in my head, you know, as you were talking, it almost and I'm not involved in the school, so I don't know what I'm about to say might already exist or if it doesn't, but I'm trying just to, you know, picture myself, you know, as a seventh grader who's really struggling, you know, and I'm at that crux. I know, I'm in my mind, I know my teacher in seventh grade, however many six of them that I have, they're not in the business of teaching me how to read. I'm supposed to already have gotten there. So I don't feel that I want to go talk to them. Like, so it's where's that safe place that we can create for that child that's like, is there a spot? Is there a designated person? Is there the ribbon? Is there the sign on the door? Somewhere in every one of these schools that some, you know, a kid can come in and say, I'm not getting it. I know I'm in, you know, I should be further along. I can't keep up. I can't read the pages fast enough. I get, you know, anxiety every day. I'm sitting in here because I'm scared to death. They're going to call on me to read, you know, chapter in the book or read something out loud. I need help. And that person may not be the person to do the helping, but has those resources and has the access. Like, how can we get that message to kids that this is where you go? You know, find the blue door, find the sign. You know, this is the person. Because I, like I said, if I was in seventh grade, I'd probably feel kind of ridiculous to go to one of my teachers and say, Hey, I can't read anything you're saying. So um, that, you know, maybe that's something that we could do to help, you know, point them in a direction. Yeah, absolutely. For your, for your male students, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is those that are involved in athletes or sports or even interested, you know, that many times coaches or their supporting, uh, coaching staff, they become that resource. It's just as 
a as a staff member, then where do you direct them? So making sure they know. Some of our female students, of course, if they can connect with a counselor, but it is what's that next step after I tell you, you mm-hmm. know, that I'm struggling in this way then how do I, or what resources do you provide? And one other thing, as we think about the mental well-being of our students, many times it is the academic challenges that they're having that's causing a lot of the misbehavior or even the chronic absenteeism. And so it is having that, we talk about those wraparound services. You know, what are those wraparound services that should be in place? Um, at our schools that we can direct the adults to who become that trusting resource for a student. So it is making sure that those resources are fingertip accessible so that you can start directing, you know, in, in the right, in the right way. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I appreciate you taking some time, you know, to come into this. And I think the out, you know, the overarching answer, like you said, you know, it's, we've got a problem, you know, we've got a crisis, you know, but it's going to take everybody. It's going to take more ideas. It's going to take more access to programs and getting people what they need, you know, to help. It's not going to go away. This isn't a problem that if we turn our head on it, it's just going to get better. We can't just say, well, the ones that fell behind because of COVID, you know, we'll just, no, we've got to, you know, get them brought back up and we've got to, focus on it and not just assume that everybody's going to go to school and learn to read and get a read at level, you know, where they need to be. So I'm sure you got to tell everybody you got more important things to do than talk to me all day, especially solving problems like this. So I appreciate you taking some time. So, well, it's, um, it's, it's definitely, um, an honor to be a part and to sit in this seat to talk about solutions and then to also you know, I'm one of those educators that say there's no such thing to me as a sense of urgency. Like there's no pretense. This is urgent. This is an mm-hmm. urgent crisis that we all need to have um, an investment. We're not trying to buy, uh, you know, that word in education we use buy in. No, as adults, we all need to have a shared commitment to be a part of the solution or we need to be owners in being a part of the solution. So identifying your space, do I have a shared commitment? And if I have a shared commitment, then I am going to invest in whatever role I can play in supporting this. Or if I have some level of ownership as a school system, as a teacher, as a person working in a school, I have ownership in the development of a student's reading ability. As a parent, what is my role? How do I help? So understanding on that continuum, continuum where you fall in and saying, I'm going to do my part because this is an urgent matter. We are in the midst of a literacy crisis and it's not going to go away. But if we all work together, we can definitely put a stake in the ground and move the needle for students. And every little bit helps. That's what matters. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Well, Dr. Q, I appreciate you coming in. Love to have you come back in and check in. You know, we're in the very, you know, where some of us are 30, 45 days into school. We've got a, we've got, uh, we got a while to go. Maybe we can Absolutely. check back in, see how things are going and you know, get some people in here to talk with us more on what they're seeing boots on the ground. So Absolutely. Would love that. Always welcome right. the opportunity. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you.